The Fortunate Unfortunates Children Who Witness Impossible Creatures by Deborah L. Hatswell. I would, of course, like to thank every witness who reached out to me over the decades and shared their experience. I know just how hard it can be to not only find someone to report your encounter to, but the very idea of speaking it aloud to another human can be paralyzing for some, myself included. Thank you for trusting me enough in the beginning to open up and for the many conversations over the years. Together, we trashed around theory and thought in the hopes of one day working all this out, what we saw and experienced in a world that does not accept anything out of the box or alternative in any way. There are people out there who may one day be a future witness to something similar. Remember, you are not alone. In fact, we are many. All of the accounts contained in the book came into me personally, so we sourced on the internet by myself and research team. I also like to thank my family who helped me every step of the way. My daughters, husband, mum and my late father who taught me to stand up for myself always. Regards of foe T.J. Cosley, 47, 19. How many times have you heard this statement? I love to see something that, oh well, you're lucky. I would give you anything to see that up close. Or my favourite, why didn't you take a picture to prove that what you saw, being a witness, something possible is not likely spiritual meeting. Most important, imagine, most imagine. In his book, I explain what is really what it is really like being a child witness, something nobody could explain away or smooth it over quickly, or hurried explanation given by a parent who wants to help their child who doesn't know how to. Children of vivid imagination or flights of fancy is something we encourage in them, but this can be a double-edged sword. It was for me, in writing this book, I'm hoping I do express how it feels to spend your whole life trying to prove to others that you are, in fact, not mad and indeed or in need of medical invention. You simply saw something or some, someone the day that it was affected on the day of your life, entire life. As a child, we don't ask to see them or set your equipment like a researcher, hoping for a glimpse of a said creature or monster. It happens by ha- happiness, a fleeting moment frozen in time, a fact etched in, my, in your memory. And for most of us, it's a way horrifying, traumatic experience. It refuses to go away. The contained, fear contained will. These effects can leave some witnesses an almost PTSD condition, affecting them through life, and all the fear may lessen. We look at with adult eyes. It never really leaves. To be honest, deep down, we always 
be that child frozen in those seconds of time. I struggled for decades for her encounter. I know many witnesses in his books did the same. Hopefully, we have set in place somewhere people can report these events and receive validation. They are not alone. As I shall said, each for each witness of validated account in the same area they encountered the creature or where the monster's description fits. What well, I saw too, I give the person involved a feeling of companionship, a feeling of being believed by others who understand. Sometimes those these valuation reports can take decades to be to be reported. Her future sightings have not yet taken place. For each new report fits like a cog into this huge puzzle where sometimes the cog enables us at the door to open a screen, a slide, we suddenly understand a small pattern of behaviour or match its description of habitat. In the book, you will notice the term green belt mentioned in most of the accounts. There seems to be a pattern of all these experiences, regardless of what county the event took place. Children playing on disused land, old cross scrubland, buildings, swing, swings, and playing in the woods along these routes. It's, if I started my research career from the point rather than 30-something years ago, I'd probably use the term greenbelt creatures. The words are used so often. Eyewitnesses encounter are not only children. They are aged between 6 and 83 from all walks of life, sensible evil, doing everyday tasks who sometimes who see something impossible to explain. Many of the adults accounts start with I was out with a dog. I was just going for taking my usual walk. There's another, but that's for another walk, another time. I need to take back to 1982 where everything changed my life and the world has never been the same since. I was an only grew up in an only town. My mum worked for the local authority. My dad worked at the famous Bodleton's Brewery. My father, my family, Worked in the docks, the mines of Salford for generations. My grandfather owned a local scrapyard, or tatters as they called it then. A man with a horse and cart who collected any metal you didn't want or any junk. It was no use. He would reward you with a dolly blue, a donkey stone, or a balloon into return. Simple, hard working folk who lived in this ordinary mill town in the northwest of England, Salford. His working-class town bomb, bombed heavily in the Second World War due to the Manchester ship canal that runs through our town. The river Arwell runs down the north and out to the sea in the valley. It rolls along was my playground as a child back. There's a limited restriction. Restriction of fun, riding the cart horse or catching sicklebacks in the jam jars and forksborn carried home in your welly. We would buy wooden dens that would, were guarded by fierce children with stones and duckers and ready to defend these folks' ideal times and fond memories. As a child of the town, I was lucky in the sense that my family would take off for the weekends and school holidays to the countryside of the beach. Our grandfather, Glenn, Glenn, would take us on horse fairs and fates. 
by hundreds of families from the local towns and countrysides would meet, sell livestock and tell, share tales. My grandfather, my, my dad raised most of my best greyhounds to come out. My mother had horses, ducks, geese and chickens. We raised, we raised Jack Russell Terriers. My dad raised them, some of the best greyhounds to come out of the island in the 80s and 90s. We travelled to race them at every dog crack across the northwest. My dad was also an avid fisherman and my sisters. I grew up in the banks of the river, of the new, of the river that flowed there, here, the Severn and the Trent. Some of my most treasurable memories growing up and getting up at 4 a.m. to load a car or van. Lunch is packed and flask is filled, flask filled, bait and rods and kids in the back. Every trick a different woodland or corpse. But 1982, that stopped for me. A place I used to play had another correlation that year where I, never, where I had never experienced fear. There was now a hidden danger in every bush, an enemy behind every tree, hidden down in every ditch. It's an only day, these perfect, those perfect days, spring and summer, when it was not too hot and the breeze blows easily, with not a hint of rain or cloud in the sky. Days when the school seemed like a punishment, and the school jumpers were compulsory, and thousands of hot teenagers were taking the mock exams, heading heads nodding and sweat building myself included the school i attended was an old victorian mansion called by the summer owned by the summer hill family the grounds that surrounded it were nice but a little left to the wild a park was definitely across the school directly across the school the new school building was added in a few decades before was a square concrete assault on the eyes of houses and windows. It seemed really easy for teachers spy you skipping school or, or school trail kid wishing they also skipped would point out the window and dub you in. I had skipped the odd day before. Mum, if you're reading it, it's too late to ground me. I found my academic side of school as easy. I would get bored so quickly. Most of my days spent staring at the window, daydreaming. The social side was a complete puzzle to me. I just winged it most days, hoping I used the correct response or had not shouted at inappropriately when I found something exciting or held my interest. I had lots of friends back then, all in a similar position. No doubt they didn't realise the child, most of the, your friends, have the same fears and peer pressures. So I, was ne so I was never one to say no to a new venture. I did have one peculiar friend, particular friend back then. I spent most of my time with my partner in crime to speak, much braver than I usually usually to be found smoking around the back of the gym or smoker's corner as we called it i had gone into my lessons in the morning and i had two study periods after lunch so if i was missing anything other than revision 
It's too nice a day to be stuck indoors. Lunch would be sib- would be two siblings between sittings between two twelve noon one thirty. I can't remember the sitting I was at on that week. But I do remember being a four year old. They had a rotation because the walk because the walk between the two buildings took fifteen minutes. It could. And we could do that four times a day. I don't remember how much before I saw him or about an hour and a half the time it took me to get home after that. This is, this is, there's an old in house in the middle of park, country grounds, golf course and a meadow, animal enclosures and goats, rabbits, horses and memory birds with a fantastic glass house and triple plants from all across the world, like a huge rain forest within a glass dome. A glass house is always hot. Steam would rise from a huge quarry, quarry park pond in the centre. There was also a scream butterfly house, which was, a steamy bar, was like a steamy bath. Most folks called it a hot house. The hot house was open to the public and could be visited by for free. There was also a sensory garden for the blind, lots of tactile, heavy scented plants, and herbs and braille metal plaques. Each flower, beneath each flower or shrub, every time I smelt lavender, wild garlic, I would transport right, right back to my warm childhood days. The gardens of the seventies were beautifully tended. One of my family members worked there. My dad would take me every time. He had a chance. I have many pictures of myself as a kid at Bully at Blue Hill until the day that day in eighty two. By nineteen eighty two the how park was a rough estate. Many groundsmen had been laid off, old houses and process being turned into art gallery on a mirror museum. It was changed so many times in decades and now stands broke, deserted and vandalised. Very sorry sight indeed. Between the house and the sensory garden there was an old Victorian flower bed. It sounds delightful, but it was a tangle of weeds by this point. Laurel and box pivot were all in between twined with eroded endiums. An ivy left to grow to around twenty five feet high, and between that there was a it was flattened down area, almost like a bed of some kind. And we would climb it in through the brambles and nettles. And you, you position in there, you could see out. But people keep, but people ask why would not have an idea you were in there at all. There at all. There at all. If you stayed quiet and kept yourself hidden, in there till around 3.20pm you could start walking with the other kids and it looked like as if you'd been at school all along. That was the plan for the afternoon and within two hours I was running from that park crying and screaming, running from the monster thought that come to kill me. You're probably in hot pursuit in my mind as without thinking I ran home without any real thought given to an action. The only fear that day was being caught or wagging. It wouldn't have been fun being marched in the school the day after we were collected here in mind of by my mother. 
who wouldn't stand for such messing about on my part, or even some older kids who would move us off, who would move us off into the open, where the old teachers, sneaking, quick smoke, would see us, or one of the parkies who would drag you back to the school shoppish, given a chance. I remember taking the top of the pots, talking about the top of the pots, and charts, and I think we were making plans what to do that evening after tea. We were laughing and giggling and sat in a sprawling position on the grass, just looking up to the sky, forgetting we were running a risk of being caught. We forgot to be quiet, and, sit, and to be honest, we are making a racket, as most teenage girls do. I remember looking up and watching the leaves as they moved out of the corner of my eye. In my peripheral vision, I saw a split-second movement in the shade. I looked it, thinking bird at first, or cat, but nothing moved at all. Its movement, like the movement before the storm hits, or the ship hits the ground, and everything goes quiet as your brain processes danger you're in, and it sends the signals to your legs to run. I realised that I was looking at... at what I was looking at was not the colour bird or the f- flat or that of a ginger cat tom. My eyes, the same colour as amber, contained in her possible face. Even in the moment, being down to earth, girl, I thought, oh God, it's a teacher. We're in for it now. Excuses already being chosen in my head. If only I had thought to run then, before I, he looked out. Before I saw a face I'll never forget, no matter how hard it I tried to. Before I could rise from that ground, before I couldn't rise from the ground, but before my legs started to run, before I screamed a scream, I never duplicated it in my 51 years. I saw something that looked like a man and an ape that combined in the same way, pushed together and one to form one unit. Hair and hairy in hair, that was long, dark, darkest brown, with highlights of auburn and sun caught it, which way, which in a way sounds romantic. It wasn't. It was like a colour of a red setter, for it bites the hand, feeling holding the biscuit. Something so beautiful in colour, but deadly in smarts. Long after the injury, the sentence he looked like a man and ape combined in one. I have used to describe him ever since, simply because that's what he looked like. The old caveman withered and worn, or escaped ape, somehow human. And an ape at the same time, an edifel, a troglodyte, looking creatures, hair everywhere, his thick jaw pronounced, bro- Bridge, a terrified face with a slack jaw, looking back at me within the mess of foliage. I don't remember smell or sound, just terror. I looked at him, then my friend, without ever knowing why we we rose to run. I pushed her hard as I could to the ground without even thinking through the process. Now I know it's primal instinct to survive. I have felt guilty about that moment. Every time I think of it. Even now, even now, I was up and running and I was looked behind me to see a 
uh, he was in pursuit of what of all that she was up and running too I saw him simply melt back into the greeny as he was never there to start with his teeth were like ours no fanged not pointed like a dog square like home and just larger I guess from my position he was taller than a tall man probably about around seven foot foot in height with dark tan skin and even Though he had a weathered face, I don't think he was old. More that like he lived outside in the sun, like men who used to use tarmac on the road, darkly tanned and weathered. His eyes were like ours, but not, not clean and white. More yellowish, a jaundiced look on him. I concentrated in his eyes and his teeth, waiting for him to rush and grab us. And he'd begin <coughs> whatever he did. We're taking his gears, his hand in the woods, or an arm hit me with such force I would be flat on my back. These were waves in seconds, but none of this happened. She ran one way forwards, self sick, and I run. You've been listening to extracts from the fortunate unfortunates. Children Who Witnessed Law Impossible Creatures by Deborah L. Hatswell. Available on Netflix on Amazon.com as a paper book for £11.99.